0: Right, so let's, uh, let's just start with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you, and indeed how great thou art, as we've just been singing. Mm-hmm. We do praise you and we adore you, and we do so in the name of your dear Son. And we pray, Father, for his return to this earth and this troubled state in which this planet finds itself. And we pray, Father, that you will now speak to us from your word as we, as we read it, as we think about it, and that you will guide each of us to the life eternal, so that truly, when the Lord comes, we might, with shouts of acclamation, as we just sung, that we might welcome him, and that we might know ourselves in this life to be secure in him, that our salvation in him is assured. Please help us, Father, for his sake. Amen. Amen. Right, so carrying on from where we got up to in Acts 13... When Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to in Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. Now, later on, Paul and Barnabas are going to have an argument about this, and they're going to have a big fallout over John Mark, this uh, guy called here John, this brother, who, well, he went back to Jerusalem. And, as I said earlier, the church in Jerusalem didn't agree with preaching to Gentiles, which to us might sound kind of obvious. Sure, if you're not a Jew, well, why can't you hear the gospel? Well, it wasn't quite so obvious to them at all. And it would seem that, well, he didn't like preaching to these dirty Gentiles, and so he went, to, went back to Jerusalem. And Paul and Barnabas, you're going to read later, fell out over this at an argument. The one thing I like about the Bible... Is that the people you meet there, even the, the big guys, the, the, the great examples, Paul, David, whatever, they've all got plenty of weaknesses recorded. And it's very different to the idea of these pious saints in stained glass windows and churches, you know, white white saintly faces, perfect peace on their face, you know, and and beautiful, you know, blue eyes, very calm. The reality is no that human life is about following God in all our weakness, in all our mess that there is in our lives. And so when you read about Paul, he was a wonderful guy, I don't doubt, but he fell out over this thing about John Mark, but we'll talk about that later. So, verse 14, When they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after the reading of the law, and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue, sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren... If you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand, said, Men of Israel and you that fear God, that's the, uh, the proselytes, that's the Gentiles who used to attend the synagogue, give audience, Let's listen carefully. As you read about all Paul's missionary journeys, it's the same old pattern. He goes to some town, he sniffs out where the synagogue is, and he goes into the synagogue and starts telling them about Jesus. And the Jews get annoyed about it, like if you walked in the synagogue today. And started saying, oh, you know, you guys crucified Jesus, you want to get on your knees and repent. Uh, they're not going to be too happy with you. There's going to be a lot, of, a lot of conflict. Now, the fact that he was a former rabbi, of course, yeah, he, he knew the Bible in Hebrew perfectly, etc. Et so, he obviously thought that he was the one cut out to preach to the Jews. But this is a pattern that we're going to observe as we go through his missionary journeys. He goes to a town, goes to a synagogue, starts preaching to the Jews, you kill Jesus, repent, accept Jesus as your saviour. There's a great big upset, and they then persecute him, and he, get, he suffers, etc. Then he goes to the next town, and the same old the same. Hour. God, or through the Lord Jesus, had decided, and he said this to Paul, that Peter was to be the apostle to the Jews and Paul was to go to the Gentiles so Peter's job was to preach the Jews he was a fisherman from Galilee who was laughed at when he preached on the Pentecost that he had not finished school that he's illiterate, and unlearned, not educated guy Uh, he was to go to the Gentiles Uh, sorry, he was to go to the Jews and Paul was to go to the Gentiles Mm -hmm. Now, we would have said, oh no, 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 no. Peter's from Galilee, which was seen as half Gentile. He's a rough sort of fisherman bloke. He'd be far better to go to the Gentiles. And Paul, oh yeah, you know what? He was a former rabbi. He, uh, he definitely knows the Hebrew scriptures and, oh, very good at arguing. I'll send him to the Jews. No. God, God uses people who are not really adequate for the job. Yeah. Because... My grace, my strength is made perfect in weakness, the Lord says. So, Paul is sent to preach to the Gentiles, and Peter is sent to preach to the Jews. But, Paul doesn't like that, and so whenever he goes around on his preaching mission, he goes straight to the Jews. No, 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 Paul, you're supposed to go to the Gentiles. Oh no, I want to go to the synagogue start fight. start arguing. Now, Paul was a great guy, and what sign he wasn't? But, If you say, well, did he sin by doing this? I don't think he sinned. But I think it's an example of where you can make life harder for yourself than it needs to be. There's a difference between sin, like let's just steal ourselves and go out and do it, do what is wrong. And, well, making mistakes in life that actually make life's path more difficult, that's your mistake. It's not so much a sin. Right? and so I think here you have it with Paul who otherwise is you know, a great example to us all but he I'm afraid I think didn't get it but yes Paul I know you, would, you think you're so qualified to preach to Jewish people but that's not for you that's for Peter well, Pete, oh, Pete's a nice bloke but he, he's not an educated guy um, he's not very uh, sort of erudite and educated yeah that's right that's right Paul And Paul didn't get it. That Peter's job was to preach the Jews and Paul to the Gentiles. But this is how it is. And you may think, well, who am I? I'm not qualified to do anything. Yes, you are. Because it's your lack of qualification that is actually your qualification. And that God will always do this. He will use people who apparently are a square peg in a round hole. People who are not quite the right person for the job. Yeah, he loves that. Because he loves working through human weakness so Paul stands up in the synagogue anyway and he says the God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exhorted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt and with a high arm he brought them out of Egypt verse 18 for about the time of 40 years as a nursing father he carried them in the wilderness right the idea that Paul's trying to bring out is that all through the history of Israel there is grace and grace is this undeserved favour this gift that we don't deserve because there were Israel and Egypt they were slaves they were being beaten the baby boys were being drowned in the river Nile and they—well, of course they were complaining to God oh God help us so God sends them Moses and he says okay I will take you out when it actually came to it they said to him leave us here Leave us here. And so God actually, with a strong arm, sort of dragged them out, kicking and screaming. When you read the prophets, Ezekiel particularly, he says that when they left Egypt, they left Egypt carrying the idols of Egypt with them. They weren't, oh God, we love you, oh yeah, we want to go the way of God, Yahweh, the God of Israel, the one true God. No, no, they were worshipping other Other gods. And he even says that they carried the star of Moloch uh, with them. The the tabernacle of, of Moloch and the star of their god Remphan. They carried this with them out of Egypt. So when it says that God with a strong arm took them out. Yeah, very strong. Because it was the strength of grace. The strength of saving somebody who was kicking and screaming against it. Look at your own life. That's how it is, that we have all been kicking and screaming against God's call at various points in our life. But his hand pulled us out. So, they came out of Egypt and the Red Sea opened and there was water on both sides of them. And they went through it. And there was a cloud on top of them. And a cloud is just water. And so, Paul says, they were baptised. Because there was water both sides of them, and the cloud is just water on top of them. He says they were baptized in the same way as we are baptized. And so a parable opens up that before our baptism, we were in Egypt, and Egypt represents the world. And yeah, we wanted to leave. Like you go out on the high street in Croydon there and say, Excuse me, how many people here are fed up with this world? Oh, yeah, me. Oh, yeah, me. How many people want to get out? How many people want a way of escape? you know high street life oh yeah I do oh I do yeah yeah I can't stand it yes Uh, but then when you actually say yeah well the answer is to come to Jesus and to get out of Egypt oh no 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 Let, let me stay here and yet God took them with a strong arm he led them with a strong arm he took them out of Egypt and you read that often in the Bible that he took his people out of Egypt and once more, as I say, what's so wonderful about that is they didn't actually want to leave they sort of did, but then they didn't and he took them out so that's how we were in Egypt and when you're baptised and people want to be baptised just ask me or Cindy, Kareem, Kwam, anyone here we come out to my place and we've got a big bathtub and that's what we do, the baptisms when you're baptised you leave the world, you leave Egypt and you go on this journey towards the promised land and you are then out of this dumb world mm-hmm. and they were in the wilderness though for 40 years and here he says at about the time of 40 years as a nursing father he, that is God carried them in the wilderness that's a very powerful figure God as a nursing father is a mother stereotypically that that nurses the baby But it says here that he as a nursing father. Now that's a very tragic picture. Because a nursing father is the picture of a man whose wife is dead or has been killed. And he's left with the baby and he's got no family. And it's just him and the baby. And he is nursing the baby. Carrying this little child, this baby, nursing it, carrying it. Through the wilderness. It's a very powerful uh, image that God should just pick up and use, and He's saying that that is how I was to you. I love you. And you may have seen pictures of uh, refugees or people in extreme circumstance, and war, or famine, or earthquake, or whatever's happened. Where you see a bloke doing this, a bloke's holding his, his little baby and the mother's dead, and there's no one else to help, and he's trying to, trying to feed this baby and carry it. It's, it's sort of a, a tragic figure. And you see that love between the father and this little baby. He's got no one to help him now. And that is the picture that God, as it were, takes a photograph and says, this is how I feel towards you, Israel. And that's how God will feel to you. When you're baptised, you become born again. You become a baby. But you are carried through the wilderness um, by, as it were, a nursing father. So, when he destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land for an inheritance of about 450 years. And after these things, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. And afterwards they asked for the king. And God gave to them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for the space of 40 years. But when they asked for the king, God was terribly upset because he he says, I am in fact your king. And by asking for a human king, you're rejecting me. But they said, no, no, we want a human king. Just like a lot of people today. We want something visible. We want something right in front of us. Okay, And that is unfortunately how it is. That people don't want God because he's invisible. They want something visible. They want a king, a political leader, a pastor, or whatever it might be. A bishop or whatever. Whereas God is looking for personal relationship with people. That's what he's looking for. And so he said, OK, if you want a king, I will give you a king. And he gave them this king, Saul, who ended up not a good guy. And I think what that shows is that God will give you what you really want. It's like later on, David says, oh, I want to build you a temple. God says, I don't want a temple. I live in a tent. I want a temple made with hands and bricks and mortar. I live in the hearts of people. Oh, no, no, we want, um, I want to build a temple. OK, so you can have a temple. Yes, I will come and send my presence into the temple. So, in a sense, you will get what you really want. Which is a scary thought. You might say, oh, but I want to be a millionaire. I want to be a billionaire. Why aren't I? Well, the answer is because you don't really want that, with all your heart, soul and mind. Um, but you will get what you really want. And God will give it to you, even if it's bad. Like it was with Israel. Oh, we want a king. Okay. I'll give you a king. So Sia says, I gave him a king in my anger and took him away in my wrath. So, what do we want more than anything else that God is definitely going to give us? Well, I want salvation. I want to be forgiven of all my sins and to live forever with him. That's what I want more than anything else. And it's ours. If that's what you want, that's what you will get. So, he says... When he'd removed him, that's Saul, he raised up David to be their king, to whom also he bare witness and said, I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who shall do all my will. I have found. It's as if God is in search of man. You remember the parable of the lost sheep or the lost coin? This is Jesus or God through Jesus searching. So I don't think that God is, you know an old man up in the sky who is half asleep half at a time and looks out of one eye occasionally down here on earth and chucks us a few nice things down no 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 God is passionately searching God is in search of man and we are in search of God people like you and me and if you're in search of God and God is in search of you then no no wonder it is so electric when we meet when someone gets baptised all the angels of heaven are rejoicing because quite simply God was in search of you you were in search of him and then then you met the whole cosmos is electric with joy when that happens and so God was searching and he found, he found David he looked at all the people in Israel and he finds this young guy who's got seven older brothers who's pushed off just to look after the sheep out in the wilderness and it says I found a man after my own heart that doesn't mean that David had the heart of God but he was after God's heart that is he was that way when you look at David as a difficult guy to sort of judge as it were because he does a lot of good things he does a lot of bad things you read his Psalms he's sort of breathing destruction and hatred against people That he wants this person judged and that person to never possibly be saved. And the next minute he's pouring out love to his enemies, Saul and the house of Saul. Just loving them. And when he twice could kill Saul, he doesn't do so. Saul is precious in his sight, etc. But, plus minus, the bad side and the good side are the end. The side that was for God tipped the balance, and he was after God's heart, and the heart is the mind, and that is what God is looking for, somebody after his heart, somebody who wants to think in his way, somebody who wants to look at this world through his eyes, rather than somebody who is apparently squeaky clean and perfect, it's the heart that, that finally matters. Now, and I've said, I'm going to give a prayer For the uh, food, which I guess is not quite ready. Then Jonathan's going to... It is ready? Well, Jonathan, do you want to give us another couple of songs? Um, And then you can have your food. Right, let's just have a prayer for the food. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the food, and we thank you for your word, and we pray that we might go your way, that we might be like Israel leaving Egypt but with with our full heart, and we bring before you our heart's desire, which is to be yours and to be in your kingdom and to be yours forever and ever. And we believe, from what we've read, that we will definitely get that. For Jesus' sake. Amen.